Hi there, I'm Sue Alvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 177. And today I am going to be talking about encouragement. I have two stories to share with you on this topic. One of them comes from my book, Curious Unschoolers, and it is called Crushed by a Label. And the other story is called Encouraging Each Other to Do Difficult Things. And that comes from my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. I am hoping that you haven't heard those stories before. As I was planning this episode, I had a look at the stories that I could share with you. And I kept going through the list. No, that one sounds familiar. I must have shared that one already. I went to the next one. No, I think that one's familiar too. I've definitely told that story before. Oh my, it's getting difficult to find stories that I can share on this podcast that nobody has heard. But I hope that if you have heard my stories, you will forgive me. I will be making a few comments about each of the stories, so maybe that will give a different perspective to something that you have already heard. Earlier today, I was thinking about podcast reviews. A week or so ago, I mentioned reviews. Would anybody like to write a review of this podcast? That's a very dangerous thing to say, because what if I get some negative reviews? What if the words that somebody writes discourages me from continuing to record podcasts? Well, that has happened before. About two years ago, I had a break for five months. Yes, I got crushed by something that somebody said. And I thought, yes, this is it. I don't have to do this anymore. I haven't got anything worth saying. I am moving on. But my passion for unschooling uh, brought me back again. I couldn't quite let go of talking about unschooling. The reason I was thinking about reviews this morning was that if I am repeating my stories, somebody might come along and say, Sue's podcast is repetitive. She has nothing new to say. She's always telling us the same stories. Well, I guess that would be fair enough, wouldn't it? But I hope nobody goes and writes a review like that. Yes, other people's words can encourage us or they can discourage us. And with our children, we can choose what we are going to say. Perhaps sometimes we think if we say discouraging things that it might prod our kids along, make them do better. If we encourage them, maybe they won't see that they still have a long way to go. I think I will dive straight into the stories. Last week, it took me rather a long time to get to the topic of the day. But today, I'm going to share the story, Crushed by a Label. And then afterwards, I might share a comment or two. 
Crushed by a Label When I was a child, I loved to sing. I was so excited when our school music teacher announced that we would be performing Gilbert and Sullivan's HMS Pinafore. I knew that I'd have no chance of being given one of the main roles. However, I was quite content to be part of the chorus, and so I took my place as a sailor. I learnt all the words and loved all the rehearsals. One day, the singing teacher came up onto the stage while we were singing. She moved slowly around, listening carefully to everyone's voices. Then she stopped in front of me. After a few moments, she quietly told me that I was tone deaf, so I wouldn't be able to sing with the chorus. I felt crushed. I couldn't be in the production. After another moment's thought, the teacher said if I mimed the words and didn't actually make a sound, I could still be a sailor. And although I was deeply hurt, I was also grateful not to be thrown out of the group. I was still beyond that stage when the curtain went up on the opening night. And so I grew up believing I had no musical ability whatsoever. My eldest daughter, Felicity, also loved to sing when she was small. We knew a very musical family who was involved in choirs and musical productions, and Felicity dreamt of performing too. When she was eight years old, we heard about a city children's choir, and we were told that it was very easy for a child to get accepted. They're not looking for exceptional ability. If she can sing in tune, they'll accept her. I was assured. The day of the audition rolled around. We knew Felicity would have to sing the national anthem and she had been practicing with the aid of a CD for days. I had a baby in arms as well as two other children who needed looking after. So Felicity bravely entered the audition room on her own. After some minutes, she reappeared together with the choir master. I'm afraid I can't take your daughter. She isn't hitting the notes. I don't think she can sing in tune. Felicity was disappointed, and so was I, but I accepted the decision. I thought it seems she has inherited my inability to sing. About a year later, we moved house and parish. At the new church, We chose to sit in the very back pew in front of the organ. I reasoned that by sitting there, our baby's noise would be drowned out by the music and no one would hear her. A few months went by, and then after Mass one Sunday, Mary and the organist stopped us on our way out of the church. Would the children be interested in singing something special for Easter? But my children can't sing. I've been listening. They have delightful voices. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I thought the organist was just being kind. But apparently not. Marion spent time with the children, sharing her talents with them. That Easter, Felicity, nine years old, stood at the front of the church and sang several solos. She was confident, and she sang beautifully. I then realised she could sing. I am very grateful to Marion. 
she encouraged my children to sing and play the piano and the clarinet. She even arranged bagpipe lessons for them. And eventually, Felicity also learnt to play the organ. Music is now a family passion. Andy is a singer too, and he performs with the older children in two different choirs. I listen as they gather around the piano. Imogen plays each person's part in turn. Then everyone tries the piece together. Someone makes a mistake, and there are sounds of laughter, and they begin again. Then it all comes together. The hymn sounds beautiful. Two basses, an alto, and a soprano. The last note is sung, and there are huge smiles. Wow, that sounded good. That was much better. I think we've got it. Could you sing it again? I really enjoyed listening. And my children and husband repeat the hymn, and I stand listening with wonder. Is this my family, who are making such a magnificent sound? Yes, I still have trouble believing I have a musical family. What happened to the tone-deaf genes? Actually, I no longer believe I am tone-deaf. I think that I could sing if I were encouraged by the right person. Imogen tells me that I need to have better control over my breathing. It is hard to breathe properly when I am so embarrassed by my voice. My throat tends to choke up as I try not to be heard. And although Imogen has a very high soprano voice, I think my voice is a lot lower and I strain to reach many of the notes when I'm trying to sing with her. I think about my childhood music teacher and how she crushed me with her words. I labelled myself a non-singer based on her declaration that I was tone deaf. And then I was prepared to give that label to my daughter. And I think about our dear organist Marion, who listened carefully and encouraged my children. She uncovered their talents and nurtured and developed their skills while giving them confidence. As an unschooling mother, I now encourage my children in their interests. I no longer tell them that they are aiming too high, that they don't have the necessary talents. I arrange opportunities and offer encouragement, and we see where it leads. And if it leads nowhere... Well, our kids might not end up where they expected, but they will end up somewhere. One thing leads to another. Nothing is ever wasted. I guess that story goes well with another story in Curious Unschoolers in the encouragement section. Encouraging Kids Ideas Yes, sometimes we think that our kids don't have the necessary talents or skills to fulfill whatever they want to do. We crush their ideas. We tell them, yes, this is not for you. And sometimes we're wrong. Either our kids can learn the skills or they do have skills that we haven't recognized. I guess the other point about that story is that we can judge our kids on our own experiences. We're not talented in one area. We think our kids aren't talented either. Or maybe we had an experience like the one I had that wasn't pleasant. 
Now, I was so disappointed when I was told that I couldn't sing. Yes, I was grateful that I could dress up as a sailor and that I would be on that stage on opening night. But that singing teacher's words were crushing. And they have affected me for my life. Even though I know that I can learn to sing, yes, I haven't quite got the courage anymore to do it. I am too embarrassed to front up to a singing teacher, however kind the singing teacher is. I just don't want to open my mouth and make a noise. I don't know what happened on that day when my daughter auditioned for the choir. She was eight years old. She went into the audition room on her own. Maybe she just had a bad day. Who knows? My second story is called Encouraging Each Other to Do Difficult Things. And I posted this on my blog, oh, less than a year ago, August 2019. But within this post is a story that I wrote quite some time ago, maybe nine years ago. It's about how I was encouraged to become a runner. And I know that I have spoken about becoming a runner many, many times, but maybe you haven't actually heard the story as I am going to share it with you today. The other morning, while I was running with our dog, Quinn, we met a man ambling along with a huge roly-poly overweight dog. There they were on the track just ahead of us. Instantly, I came to a halt and grabbed Quinn's collar. The man took hold of his dog and tried to stop too, but he couldn't. His dog was determined to greet Quinn nose to nose. It edged closer and closer to us, despite the man's efforts to pull it back. He's friendly, reassured the man. But Quinn isn't, I thought. Ashape Great Dane is wary of anyone outside her family circle. She doesn't like people touching her or dogs putting their noses in her face. So I had to do something before the gap between us disappeared. I thrust myself between the overeager dog and Quinn, and then we ran. Fast. Later, I told Gemma Rose about our doggy encounter, and how inconvenient it is that other people and their dogs are using our bush tracks at our time of day. Maybe it'll only be a short-term inconvenience, I said. Over the past eight years, while we've been running through the bush early each morning, we've seen a lot of people come and go. Usually, everyone is enthusiastic about exercising for a few days, and then they give up and we never see them again. So perhaps the man will soon get fed up of being dragged along the bush tracks by his enthusiastic dog. This would be good for us. However, it might be sad for the dog and his owner. They look like they could do with some exercise. They might even enjoy it. I remember when I started running, it was hard work. I wanted to give up too. But I didn't. Actually, I couldn't. I could tell you more. But perhaps it would be easier to share a story that I wrote on the day that I returned 
from my very first run. It is late afternoon on Christmas Day. I am feeling drowsy. I think about closing my eyes and drifting off to sleep. But Andy comes in and asks, Do you want to go for a walk? A walk or a nap? I sigh. I should go for a walk. Okay, I answer, pulling myself out of the chair. I grab some shorts and a t-shirt and my running shoes. I was thinking of a stroll, not a hard walk, says Andy. No need to change clothes. We might as well make it a good walk, I answer. Andy shrugs his shoulders and goes looking for his own exercise gear. We head down the road to the playing fields and then turn onto a track through the bush. Shall we run along the downhill and flat stretches and walk the rest, I suggest? Run? You want to run? Andy raises his eyebrows. Yes, run. I suddenly have an urge to run, run like the wind, my hair streaming out behind me. I want to put my body into top gear and feel it come alive. But can I still run? I used to be a runner. Many years ago, Andy and I ran kilometre after kilometre every evening after work. I remember rhythmically pounding along the footpaths, my feet flying, my arms pumping, thinking I could run forever. It was a wonderful, exhilarating feeling. I want to recapture that feeling. I long to fly along that endless bush track between the gum trees and never stop. And so I run. Along the flat track, I jog, and then down the steep slope. I pick up my feet to avoid the loose stones as I leap from boulder to boulder. Soon I am gasping for breath and my mouth is dry, so I slow to a walk. I am sensible. I could run forever, but the further we go, the longer it will take to climb back up the hill. And we are expected home in time for tea. So we stop and turn around and head back up the track, the sun in our faces. Soon I am hot and sweaty. The run down was easy compared with the hard climb back up. A while later, I drag my tired legs through the back door and then head towards the shower. A couple of minutes later, I'm standing under a pounding stream of reviving hot water. I'm feeling better. Actually, I feel wonderful because there's a delicious thought running around my head. I can run. My whole body moved through the air at a faster than normal pace, and I am still in one piece. It wasn't a very fast run. I didn't run for very long, but I ran. I wonder, could I become a runner again? Should I join Andy, Imogen and Charlotte when they go for their daily runs around the playing fields? The next morning, I hear Imogen outside our bedroom door. Dad, it's six o'clock. Time for a run. I roll out of bed. Andy opens his eyes. Where are you going? Running. With you. Usually I decline all of Andy's running invitations. I ignore him as he gets out of bed. He disappears out the door while I snuggle back down under the quilt. But not today. 
Five minutes later, Andy and I head out the back door with Imogen and Charlotte. The air is cool and moist and refreshing. We walk to the playing fields at the end of our road. No one is awake except the kookaburras and a wallaby that hops off into the bush at our approach. When we get to the park, we drop our water bottles and sweatshirts onto the grass at the edge of the field. Andy does a few stretches. Everyone is ready to run. You can just jog at first, Mum. You can slowly work up to a proper run, encourages Charlotte. I intend to walk at first and slowly work up to a jog, I shout back as my middle daughter sails past me. I stride to the end of the first side of the field. I am warmed up. This is it. It's time to become a runner. I intend to run at least as far as the next corner. I step up the pace. I lift my heavy feet off the spongy grass and I try to breathe rhythmically. I glance ahead. The corner looks a long way off. I start to gulp for air and I can feel my heart beating fast. I think, is this good for me? What if I collapse? Will the others carry me home? The kookaburras are laughing. Are they laughing at me? I reach the corner and slow down to a walk. I walk, then run, then walk some more. I get lapped by the girls. I run again. My legs hurt. There's a pain in my chest. I forget about the beautiful fresh morning, the kookaburras laughing and the bush all around us. All I can hear is my heart beating. All I can feel is my sore legs. I can see nothing except the next corner of the field. Half an hour later, I am plodding home. Andy and the girls are a long way ahead of me. They are eager for hot showers and breakfast. Eventually, I reach our house. I pull off my damp, grass-covered shoes and crawl through the back door. Tea! I need a cup of tea, I gasp pitifully to Andy. I head to the bedroom, where I collapse, blood pounding painfully in my ears. While I'm lying on the bed waiting to die, I remember something. Becoming a runner involves a lot of work. That I can run forever feeling doesn't just happen. It takes time and a lot of pain. I decide that running is a silly idea. I've been there and done that. I don't need to do it again. I'm too old. Instead of going back in time, I am going to slide gracefully forward into an inactive old age. Eventually I realise I'm in no immediate danger of dying, so I roll off the bed and head to the kitchen. Sophie and Gemma Rose are eating breakfast. They have heard all about my morning adventures. You went running? Wow! Their eyes open wide. They are very impressed. Suddenly I feel good. I am no longer an ordinary mum. Instead, I'm an adventurous mum. I'm a mother who's brave enough to run. I can do difficult things. Can we come running with you tomorrow? The younger girls ask. If you're up early, I answer. They smile. 
tomorrow morning, there will be six of us heading down to the playing fields. We will go running together. I know I will have to work hard. My legs are going to hurt. I will be breathless. Perhaps I'll get a pain in my chest. The blood might pound again in my ears. Can I do it? Of course I can. I have to. In my children's eyes, I am amazing. Because of them and their words of encouragement, I am going to become a runner. And that is the story of how I became a runner for the second time. So I ran. My girls were impressed. It didn't matter to them that I didn't run far and later collapsed on the bed. They wanted to follow my example and run too. For years we all ran together. Jim arose and I still run and sometimes the other girls do too. We enjoyed doing something challenging with one another. We encouraged each other to run further and faster. And then one day, Sophie and Gemma Rose decided to run in a race, and then in a second one, and a third. If my younger girls hadn't encouraged me to keep running, and I had given up, would they have become runners? Would they have discovered the thrill of flying along with the wind in their hair? Would they have experienced the satisfaction and joy that come from working hard at doing something that's challenging? This is what I learnt from my running adventure. Encouragement helps us to do difficult things. It helps our kids do difficult things too. Our kids watch everything we do. They follow our example. Working hard at something is satisfying. It also results in joy. Doing things, even difficult things, with our kids is fun. It strengthens our family's bonds. Yes, it would have been so easy for me to have given up and decided not to become a runner. Yes, when I came home that morning from my first proper run, I didn't run far, but yes, it was a proper run. I'd put a lot of effort into it. I felt so sick and I decided that I didn't like that feeling. Why should I do it again? I didn't want to put myself into that position again. Yes, we like to be comfortable, don't we? We don't like to push our bodies too far. We don't like to step out of our comfort zones in general. I've been talking about how I've been doing some things that other people might feel are ordinary, like making Zoom calls, but for me, they were difficult. I didn't really want to learn how to do a Zoom call meeting. I didn't want to host one. I thought that I would be putting myself into a position where, yes, I would feel very uncomfortable. But I did it, as you might know from last week's episode, and I've conquered that fear. And so, I think it was about nine years ago, I persisted with running. And it took a while, but yes, every day that I went out there and tried, it got a little bit easier. Until one day, I was flying around that field. The only thing with exercising is that we have to keep on making the effort, don't we? We don't get fit once and our fitness stays with us. 
if we stop exercising, all that fitness slowly seeps away or quickly seeps away. That's how it sometimes feels. We've got to keep on getting out there and doing whatever we enjoy doing. I say that because I haven't been for a run for a few days. I'm feeling a little bit guilty about that. I had an accident with my knee a few days ago. I was doing Pilates, which isn't that difficult, not compared to learning how to run. Some gentle exercise. Well, it was gentle until I rolled over and smashed my knee into the steel frame of our treadmill. It was a freak accident. I don't know how it happened, but yes, it was painful. I had to lie on the floor and yell for Charlotte to come and rescue me, to pick me up and to look after me. I thought I was going to faint. The pain was so intense. But I survived. The knee got better and I should be out that door running through the bush. I just need to motivate myself. It would be a whole lot easier if the girls were still running with me, if they were getting up in the morning and saying, hey, mum, it's time to go for a run, if they were encouraging me each day to run with them. Encouragement makes a lot of difference. I guess the other point is that sometimes people think that kids are lazy, that they won't do difficult things. But I think that kids like challenges. As long as we're not giving them the challenges, as long as they don't have to fulfill what we think they should be doing, they will challenge themselves. I am sure that when we do difficult things, when we take up challenges, our children notice and it encourages them to do difficult things as well. Now at the end of that story, I was telling you how Sophie and Gemma Rose entered a few races. They competed with other runners and they enjoyed those experiences very much. Maybe Gemma Rose would have run again this year, but the COVID-19 pandemic has put an end to running competitively, at least for this year. There's something wonderful about sharing a passion with somebody else, gathering together on the start line with other people who are enthusiastic about running. It's not all about being the first person over the finish line. It's about having a shared experience. It's about being with people who understand about getting up day after day after day and going out and running. And all that running culminates one day in a race. I added some photos to that story on my blog and I will add one of them to the podcast chapters as well. So you will be able to look down at your phone as you are listening and you will see one of the photos that I posted with the story. At the end of the story I wrote, I took these photos last year after Gemma Rose finished a 10k race. It was a much warmer day than expected. One of Gemma Rose's feet went numb halfway through the race, but she kept running. She wouldn't give up. We stood on the sidelines and encouraged her along. As you can see, Gemma Rose was suffering a bit by the time she came over the finish line. But Imogen and Sophie were there to look after her. 
and she ran a good time. The pain was worth it. Soon Gemma Rose was feeling better. Do you think you'll run in this race again next year? I asked. Without hesitating, my youngest daughter said, Oh, yes. There are a few photos of Gemma Rose being supported by her sisters. There's one of her sitting on the ground, and Sophie has her arm around her younger sister. And there's a photo at the end of Gemma Rose smiling. She had recovered. All that pain was worth it. She wanted to run again. She ran in the same race the following year, and that time she took home a trophy. But it's not all about the trophies, I don't think. As I said, it's about the joy, about challenging yourself, about doing something difficult, which gives you a great feeling of satisfaction. So those are my two stories about encouragement. There are other stories about encouragement in my book, Curious Unschoolers. Encouraging children's ideas. Encouraging them when they're writing and reading. If you scroll back through the list of podcasts, you will probably find those stories. But if you would like to read them, they're in my book, Curious Unschoolers, which can be found on Amazon as a print and also a Kindle ebook. I guess I should also mention my second unschooling book, Radical Unschool Love, which is also available from Amazon. If I mention it here, I won't have to mention it at the end of the podcast as I normally do. If you would like to comment on either of those stories, please hop over to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. I would love to read your thoughts. I added a few questions to the end of the blog post. Maybe you would like to answer one of them. I said, have you ever achieved something difficult because of your kids' encouragement? Or perhaps you have encouraged them. Does your family like running? Or perhaps you enjoy doing something else challenging together? And is there something you used to enjoy doing that you'd like to do again? I shall just finish this podcast with a tiny bit of news. I haven't got a big news section today. I just want to comment on the Homeschooling Global Summit. If you listen to last week's episode, you will know that my interview for the summit was due to go live just after I published episode 176. I told you that it would be streamed twice with live comments, 1am our time and also 9am. And I said, which session do you think I will join? Which session will I be available to chat with everybody while my interview is streaming? And you will be right if you guessed the 9am session. Yes, I woke up about 20 to 1 in the morning and I thought about getting out of bed and turning on my computer and joining in with any conversation about the interview but somehow I didn't get there. But I did join in with the discussion at 9am. Some very kind friends joined me too, and then there were other people that I didn't know. And we exchanged a few comments, 
as the interview was playing. I never intended to watch my own interview. It's always very hard watching myself on screen, but I had to watch, otherwise I wouldn't have known how to respond to everybody else that was watching. And everybody was very kind. No discouraging comments at all. No, I got lots of lovely feedback, lots of encouraging remarks about the interview, and that made me feel so good. It made me think, I can do this. I can be interviewed. I can share unschooling in this way. Every time I am interviewed, it does get a little bit easier. So I do hope that I'll be asked to be part of the Homeschooling Global Summit again next year. It was a really good experience. I got a chance to talk about my passion, unschooling. So I wonder if you have watched many of the summit interviews. There are over 80 of them. They should all be available online now freely. You should be able to watch any of them that you would like to watch. You don't have to wait now until the interviews are published. So if you feel like being inspired or if you'd like some new ideas, if you'd like to find some resources, then go and have a look at the Homeschooling Global Summit website. You might find some interviews that really interest you. Last week we were talking about play and Peter Gray, he has been interviewed for the summit. He has written a lot about children and play. So maybe that's a relevant one for you to watch. About a year and a half ago, Pamela Riccia from the Exploring Unschooling podcast interviewed me. Pam is very well known, so I'm sure her name is familiar to you. Pam was also interviewed for the summit, so you might like to go and watch her interview as well. So I'm coming to the end of this episode, episode 177. I don't know if it's good or not, whether people would give it a good review or a bad one, but I have shared unschooling again. And that's the main point, isn't it? That we go out there and tell people about unschooling. The way I tell it might not be perfect, but unschooling itself is worth hearing about. And that's what I'm trying to do. Pass on the good things that we have discovered. So I have told you about my unschooling books and where you can find them. I have invited you to go over to my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family, and leave a comment or just stop by and say hello. Or maybe you could dive into the archive. There's only one more thing that I would like to tell you about, and that's my unschooling community, Stories of an Unschooling Family Community. And you are most welcome to join us if you are looking for unschooling information, encouragement, if you'd like to hear some stories, perhaps you would like to share your own experiences, or maybe you would just like to make some unschooling friends. Whatever your situation, you are most welcome to join us inside our community. So I think that's it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. 
I hope you will join me again next week when I'll be talking about strewing. But until then, live a radical life of unconditional love.